0: This is Therapy-ish. Hi, all of my Therapy-ishers. I am Aisha Creary, founder and owner of Crave Counseling, located in North Austin. I'm excited to be presenting to you all of this Therapy-ish stuff. I am also happy to be able to have these conversations about all things therapy-related and its relationship within the minority communities. Although I'm excited to have these conversations with my guests and my listeners, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis or become triggered during these conversations, I encourage you to reach out to a local therapist or a mental health hospital for immediate assistance. All right, Therapy Issues, we are back for another episode. I have Miss Shakira. She's going to introduce herself, tell you guys what she does and how she can be reached. Okay,
1: thank you. I am glad to be here. I am Shakira Hamilton-Adams. I am the Administrative Supervisor for Crisis Counseling and Mental Health. For Austin Independent School District. And I can be reached via my email. I have another email that I use. It's dobeautiful.things at gmail.com.
0: Okay. So for this particular episode, I wanted to kind of touch on Black women, our hair, Black beauticians, and mental health. So I know that there are a lot of cultures that don't understand or that don't respect the whole black hair movement, the whole black hair phenomenon, including companies. We do struggle with a lot of companies not accepting our black hair in its natural state. So I wanted to start by asking, how much of an impact does hair have on black women? I think
1: hair has a huge impact on black women. Starting from when we are super young and everybody is looking at different people's hair and how it looks, whether your ponytails are short and fuzzy or whether they are long with the bows on them or you have your braids with your beads on them, you're judged a lot just by your hair. In school, everybody, when you're in elementary and middle school, everybody wants to have either the super long hair or in the styles that they see on television or things that they've seen in their community. So hair has a huge impact it impacts self esteem it impacts how you portray yourself to other people if your hair is short and kinky and you accept that then you're in a good place but some of us haven't had that experience where that type of hair has been celebrated we've often seen the hair that's slicked up and and combed very well and and edges are laid down that's what's really celebrated instead of the coily thick what we call nappy hair been that hasn't been a thing where they're like oh girl your hair is so pretty and thick and nappy they would call you nappy headed oh you with your nappy head itself i've heard kids on the playground when i used to teach school and they would that's the first thing they would would start off the conversation when they were ready to quote unquote pick or 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 have jokes about someone oh yo nappy headed itself so what do you think How do you think that makes a person feel? Do you think that somebody's saying with your nappy head itself, is that making me have joy about who I am and what I'm doing in my hair journey? No.
0: Right. I would also like to add that it impacts our mood. I am a completely different person when my hair is not done, but I'm also a very completely different person when it's freshly done. And then I also, it also supports or it declines my ability to have confidence in myself so my next question is as a client or bystander in the shop what have been some of the hot topics that seem to be processed within the barbecue within the beauty shop and some of these issues might touch on self-esteem parenting relationships current events anger fear so what are some of the hot topics that come up within the beauty shop to add
1: to your point about mood and then I would definitely answer the question Yes, my mood changes when my hair is not done. I don't feel like, I feel like when my hair is fresh and out the chair, I can throw on anything and just go and be like, oh, I'm beautiful. But if this hair is not done, I throw on a hat (laughs) and cover it up. But so I do agree with that. Some of the topics that I've seen covered at the beauty shop, they cover everything. It depends and especially it depends on the type of, of, of beauty shop that you're going to. If it's one of the like the old we went to a, a family shop that we always went to when I was younger. So I grew up in that chair basically getting my or getting my hair washed and set and all of those things. My mom went to that shop, my grandmother went to that shop. so there was such a deep, familial tie to the shop that it was like you would go in there and you would find out one things that were going on the in the community families that may have been struggling or things that were happening at different churches especially when you when you got ready to start talking about elections and presidents and how we've been treated as the people those are the conversations that we had in those chairs but also it was an opportunity and i call them for those for those They're almost like therapists to me because it was an opportunity for them to build people up. When they turn you around in that chair and you face that mirror, that helps your self-esteem. They're like, oh, that looks so good on you. Or, oh, that came out so nice. You look so gorgeous. That fits your face so well. There were so many things that were covered just at the people talking about children the conversation or the signs that you would see up, make sure that you supervise your children. And if, depending on how close that beautician was with the the people in the shop, they would tell you, why is your child acting like that? Why are they screaming? Why are they falling out? What's going on? And they would ask and give some, sometimes it was unsolicited advice, (laughs) but other times it would be really good gems that you could use. We talked about our history in those chairs, things that went on in the community things that we never knew. Like they would, we lived in a small town in, in Belle Glade, Florida, and you would hear places like, oh, well, on Avenue B Place, they did this. Or on Fifth Street, you better not go down Fifth Street. This time of night, you learned so many life lessons that then you would carry those conversations over into the car when you got back with your parents. So I feel like a lot is is covered in in those chairs, especially when it comes to relationships between men and women sometimes. You, you have, oh, well, you know, such and such is having some issues in their marriage. You know, I heard this. I heard that. Or, well, I don't know. I, he wants me to do this. He wants me to do that. And then you have some of those older women who would step in and stand in the gap and say, well, baby, <laughs> and line out some things for wisdom that would really just help you move along with your day.
0: Yeah, I, I totally 100% agree with you on those. I also think that some of the other things, like you said, with relationships, some of the conversations that we have in the beauty shop, the first thing that happens when I sit down in the chair with the beautician that I consistently see on a regular basis, they may say, so what you been up to since I last saw you? And then that's where the the kind of the, the quote unquote counseling relationship begins. And we might say, girl, I have been struggling with this. My baby daddy ain't acting right. The kids acting a fool. The The people at school getting on my nerves. I just, I've just been going through so much. And then on top of that, I'm starting to have issues with my hair. I'm starting to experience alopecia. It's starting to fall out. The dermatologist won't give me nothing to help me with my hair. And so now it becomes like the self-esteem issue, this release. And I remember on the, the previous episode, we kind of talked about how healthcare providers or healthcare professionals are walking trash cans. They receive everyone's trash in the beauty shop and then they, they basically are walking throughout the entire day with that information. So I agree with you 100%. So the next question is, as black women, what are some of the moods that can be described when we talk about hair? What are most people's moods before they walk into the beauty shop? And what are some of their moods when they leave the beauty shop?
1: So (laughs) moods that can be described, described, some of those moods are up, down and all around. Sometimes before you get to that beauty shop, it's like, oh, Lord, I got to go somewhere and get my hair done. I got to get something done to this head. I need a new do or something. Or even um, almost a feeling of despair, like, oh, if I could just if I could just do something, if I could just change my look, if I could just maybe get that perm or get that wash and set and and let somebody massage massaging of the scalp when when a when a beautician washes your hair and they take the time with that warm water and they wash your scalp and they massage it and they do all of those things that that makes you feel so good. So some people are just trying to get there, to get into that chair, to feel that relief, to feel that connection. A lot of times people are, are, before they get to the shop, they've had horrible days. They've been at work and had their hair split down the middle in a ponytail with a scrunchie on the back and they're not looking their best. They don't, they may not dress up a little bit more because when you get your hair done, your outfit has to match your hair. So you, you you get that hair done. You look in that mirror. We're going to play around with it. We're going to comb it, flip it over. You already know what the expected outcome is because you've been with that beautician for a while. So if you could just get, if I could just get to that chair, I'll be okay. And a lot of times if, if our hair is not not right, we're grouchy. We are we snap people up. It's almost like being hungry. You know how they, they say it's, it's, it's not, um, you're not yourself when you're hangry. You are not yourself when you do not have your hair
0: done. When you when, when. That is very true. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. My kids at the at the school will tell you, and my clients will, will will look at me through the virtual sessions and be like, "Uh, I see you got your hair done." Like they can tell. <laughs> like you guys notice
1: every the children, they notice everything. When I was when I was in the classroom or when I was um working at the school site, my kids would wait. They would come in in the morning, like. Oh, miss, we see you. And and it was almost like a camaraderie that we were building by just getting my hair done. But after coming out of that chair, baby, you feel like you can conquer the world. You can do anything. You can stand on any mountain. You will stand and speak out and let the world know. And you will have something really like fashionable and fly on with it to match your hair. (laughs) So
0: that is very true. I 100% agree with that. And then I also just want to share an example of what that looks like. So I follow this celebrity hairstylist. His name is Jonathan Wright, the right way. I believe his Instagram is at Jonathan Wright on Instagram. And I literally will wake up in the morning just to watch his Instagram. Now, aside from his playful monkeys, because he does have two monkeys that he, uh, (laughs) those are his babies. But aside, yes, you have to watch I, his I, I to But aside from that, <laughs> but aside from that, I go to his page once he finishes weaves and wigs and things like that. So I'm a, I don't, I don't like weaves and wigs. I always am that person that's like, I just wish I could wear a wig. I just wish I could do this. I just don't like it. My skin is very sensitive. It sheds. Not saying that all oh, weaves shed, but that's just not my cup of tea. But anyway, I go and I watch his pages and like, you can see him turning the chair around. He has his little backdrop and he like, yes, friend, friend, yeah. friend, and he, and he will just keep doing it. And it's like, if you're watching that, it's almost like you're living vicariously through that client. Cause like, you know what the mood is. You know that her life has just changed in that very moment. That is so exciting. It's all—it's—it's very similar to my makeup artist when she does my makeup. Every time throughout the entire session, she's like, so pretty. And I'm like, stop doing that because now I can't wait to right. see. Right, I want to see
1: <laughs> what you're seeing as it's being done. <laughs> and right. when, when you have somebody hyping you up, it's, it's like that. It's like, oh, yes, you are everything. Okay. When we hear, you know, when you see somebody walk by and they're well put together, makeup, hair, face, and somebody walks by, and then somebody else acknowledges of that. Especially in the black community, we're like, we will make all kind of work What? You cute? Okay. And that is a form of like,
0: mm-hmm. we are
1: just coming together and celebrating one one another. I love that. I'm I have to watch him now.
0: <laughs> yes, you ha- you are gonna crack up at his monkeys. I just love his monkeys. He has them in daycare now. He's a whole vibe. I was just saying. <laughs> That man is a whole vibe. He is a whole vibe. That is so funny. <laughs> but so I just want to give him his props and let him know. Like I'm not a person that wear weaves or wigs, and I, I I believe he does do natural hair. But once I get my money up, Jonathan, <laughs> I'm gonna be coming the right way. Okay. Just talking to black about black hair is just so much. It means so much. It's it's an experience. It's a lifestyle, and people don't really understand. I remember having people ask me, "Can I touch your hair?" Now. That's a Black woman's rule one-on-one. We're going to stand from a distance and we're going to say, girl, you aren't cute. And we'll walk around you in a circle just yeah. to see every single angle. But we you are not, not going to touch your hair because we understand that Black hair is an entire day process. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later because that also impacts our mood and our ability to actually go throughout the day and why some of the questions that we're going to ask later are so important. So let's kind of talk about these Zoom meetings and being forced to have our cameras on during these (laughs) meetings. Do you think that as a Black woman or as Black women, we should have conversations around us not wanting to be on camera or having to slap a bonnet on our head or a head wrap on our heads so that we're not being judged during our meeting? So in other words, I remember there was, in the past, I had someone In the meeting, say, Aisha, I can't, I can't see your camera. And in my mind, I was like, "Sis, if only you knew what my head was looking like right now, you wouldn't be asking me to turn on nothing." So I like had to get up, (laughs) go find my hair wrap, and put it on because it was, it was that transition phase. I just took my hair down, my braids down, and. I was up. I was working. I was ready. I had been working, but I just knew that today was the day when it came to my hair and I did not want to be on camera. And I basically got voluntold. Get almost shamed.
1: <laughs> We're almost shamed into being yes. on. So the Zoom calls and the thing is like now that I'm in, um, so the position I'm in is different from what I was doing before. However, I was in a lot of meetings now, I'm in more meetings, and with being in more meetings, I have to get up almost at five thirty just to get everything ready for nine o'clock meetings, mm-hmm. eight o'clock meetings, because I do makeup, I do my face, and I have business on top. Now on the bottom, I'm not. We won't even talk mm-hmm. about that Zoom bottom, but <laughs> you know. But I feel that pressure to make sure that we show. It, it almost goes back to the mentality that we have to work twice as hard to be just as good. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I, I can't, unfortunately, I don't get the opportunity to show up undone. And that's a part of, of being right. that, that question that you ask, like, should we have conversation? Absolutely. We should have converse, conversation about that. But I think in general, the conversation about asking someone to allow you into their space, just like you, cause you're, you're in, you're real, you're, You're literally invading my space. You are literally invading my space. You're coming in, you're coming into my home, unless I have a virtual background. And some of the virtual backgrounds are so tricky in Zoom that you look like you're in space and it's like you're going in and out, you're being teleported in and out. Nobody wants to deal with that. So I have a very good headshot that I I took and I did them at home myself. I took a couple headshots and I put them up, but sometimes that does not suffice. Sometimes they want you to open up that camera and be on camera. And I can't necessarily, I can't necessarily do that. Like it's some anxiety behind opening my, my camera up and, and this head looks a mess or I do wear wigs and this wig may be twisted to one side because I woke up and just threw it that bonnet is still on and I'm up working, like I'm working. And the fact that I'm working and you know I'm working, but you still want to see my face. I don't, I don't get it. I, it. It's too much. It's a lot.
0: <laughs> right, right. And And then for some of you guys that know, of course we are in mental health. So we quite frequently get, our meetings quite frequently start with the questions of how are you feeling? And I struggle with questions like that because when my hair is not done, I just want to tell you, look, I need a day off. Like I need to get my life together. I need to get situated and you wouldn't understand that. So I don't even have, I don't even get the mic to be able to tell you to where I speak my truth and hold your heart while I do it so that you can understand where I'm coming from. So it's real hard to, to have to have a conversation with upper level management about Mm -hmm. how I'm feeling the fact that my hair is the reason mm-hmm. as to how I'm feeling. And can you just right. accept it?
1: Right. and And then some people are dismissive. Oh, it's just hair. But when you can get up and don't have to do much to your hair, then it's just hair to you. And it almost goes into when we talk about, you know, we talk about trauma. We talk about those things there. I'm sure that there is some. Unnamed trauma that Black women, Black people have about their hair, about you know oh, what what has been done, what what someone wants you to look like, all kinds kinds of things. I'll even tell you a story of when I was working with uh, in elementary school, and I would dress dressed every day for work was cute, wore heels, and had my heels named. They were. <laughs> The principal at that time said, "Oh, those are our stripper heels. My husband would love those." And I was like, no there ma'am no. <laughs> no, ma'am." I was like, because I wore high heels, but I wore my high- right, and then That's I right. would be-
0: It's a part of it's a part of our lifestyle. Like well, we don't right. walk around and,
1: exactly, heels. and I would be standing out front, and the people would be greeting me. They thought I was the principal, so she would always be mad. <laughs> And I was like, okay. Right. And then one day I had, um, I had worn my natural and I had it pulled up in a puff and it was cute. I did my makeup. I was cute. The next day I had gone to get my hair done and I got a sew-in. So when I came with my sew-in, you know, it was fried, dyed, laid to the side, straight, cute, curled it, everything. She was like, oh, your hair is so elegant and classy with it straight like that. And I said, as opposed to, and this was around the time that President Obama, he was in the White House. So it was just a whole thing. And I was like, as opposed to, so as soon as I got my sew-in taken out, I found the biggest Afro wig that was presentable for work. Biggest, biggest and blackest. And, and wore me a old blackity black shirt was wrong. I was young, but I wore a old blackity black shirt. It was a black shirt. I think it had a, a picture, like a little picture of President Obama on there. And she wanted to say something mm-hmm. to me, but she didn't because she had already crossed the line a, a few too many times. And I wore that wig right. for like three weeks. Because I wanted you to know, because my afro wasn't quite where it was, where I wanted it to be. So I wanted, mm-hmm. wanted my hair to be big and black. And then when I took it off, I wore my mm-hmm. natural hair. Because you won't make statements that my hair is not classy or elegant. How do you think that makes someone feel but people don't, they don't think?
0: Right. So I'm going to add to this since we're on the education world. So uh, again, I have experience working in a middle school world. And living in Austin, there are not that many Black professionals on campuses or that many Black professionals that embrace their natural state. And I am one of few that does. I am rocking braids, I'm walking, rocking my puffball, I am rocking my short style. I don't care what I look like for the day, as long as my kids know that it's okay to come to school looking like you're looking. And I just remember. Of course, one of the rules in most districts includes you cannot wear a hoodie on your head or a hat on your head or anything like that. And so I would have administrators bring kids to my office and ask me, do you have edge control? Do you have something to help this baby with her hair? I had kids that would come in and ask me how to do head wraps. And so I literally will be like, come on, baby. First thing in the morning. Oh, come on, baby girl. Let's let's fix that. And they would come into my office. I would slap some edge control on there, slick it up, have them looking real cute. If their hair was in a state where they just was like, this is too much for me, we'll bust it down and we'll braid it down into two plaits, two braids to the back. And, you know, if they were like, look, miss, I just want to cover it up. I don't want to deal with it. I taught them how to use head wraps. And so one of the things that I was combating when I was doing that, one, is to teach them to be okay with who they were and to let them know that my office, this place right here, is a safe space. I don't care what, I don't care what district policies are. And I would have people be like, well, they won't take their hoodie off. I said, well, did you ask them why they didn't take their hoodie off? Well, she said someone was wearing her hair on this campus or in this district. We don't, you know, we don't wear things mm-hmm. that cover our hair and I'm just like that's mm-hmm. discrimination one because you're telling me that I can't I can't tap into my roots by wearing head wraps that best benefit me and two you're forcing me to go through a traumatic experience at school as it relates to my hair because kids are ruthless yeah kids yeah. are ruthless <laughs> and a lot of a lot of people don't realize that Kids are ruthless. Like this generation of kids growing up is very different than when right. I grew up. We fight, we fight. You talk about my hair, Right. we gonna fight. One, and then two, I'm gonna <laughs> talk about your mama, your granny, <laughs> and your dead cousin. Like, that's the generation that right. we came up from and we would talk back about you. It was like we would score on each other or we would rap on each other or whatever you want to call it, depending on where you are in the world. And it was like, you don't get to tell me how right. bad I look. You don't get to tell me what what I got going on over here. What you still do is respect me for who I am. And so our kids today, they are struggling with a lot of issues around self-esteem because of the, the beauty standard that the industry has pushed with makeup, with hair, with colorism, with all of these things that go into it. So I said all that to say is that whenever you're sending your babies to school, whether you're a white parent with adopted black children, or if you are a parent with a, a mixed or a biracial child and you know, you're struggling to figure out what can I do with this baby here? Find the nearest blackest of the blackest of the blackest beauty shop to take your baby to. We would love to educate you, support you and help you. And as and aunt, and as an educator, and as an auntie mom, and all these different roles that I have, I've always called and asked for consent because some parents have issues with that. But we call and we ask for consent. Hey, your baby's in my office. Can I give her some edge control to fix it? Because you do have some parents that are not as accepting because they are embarrassed that they did send their child to the school looking a certain type of way, and they're being bullied for it, or because that child is now experience experiencing low self-esteem because of are here.
1: And I I think that's some of the things that, especially when we look at um, discipline standards and I, you know, I can't say very much, but when we look at the equity and that piece of, of discipline, there are some struggles that our children have that other children don't have. And, and we, we, we're not always, uh, as, as disciplinarians, we're not cognizant of that. We're not, recognizing that these students may need more. And I agree with you. When you talk about student, how cool students can be, it's gotten to the point where we would tell you off you. I would talk about you, but these kids, they make Snapchats. They make hate pages on Facebook. They send out videos of children. You know, they will zoom in on the the, the child's hair, make a whole video. They got a TikTok. They have it.
0: even yes. adults do it. People be like, I'm going to call CPS because right. your baby ain't got no hair. Like, they just turn it into, and I'm not throwing shade to my friend. <laughs> if they listen to this, they know who I'm talking about. But, you know, it, it was a joke, but it, but when it's all said and done, one, as a parent, now I feel bad because my baby ball hit it. And then two, I am yeah. going through some things because now I have to, I have to teach my uh, child to absolutely. embrace the hair I- that they have I
1: want to. I want to add to that. I think a part of a part of that on the side of the, the, our children wearing hoodies and bunnets, it unnerves me when I see a woman outside the house with a bunnet on.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that bothers oh. me as well. But but, but I get but it. I it.
1: But I get it because sometimes your hair is in flexi rods. You need to run out to the store and you have the huge bunnet on. I get it. But when you just wear a bunnet every day that means that you have not taken any time to do your hair but on the other side of that i think that we have to help our children you said it and i wanted to just expound on it we have to help our children appreciate every aspect every angle every every root not coil kink in their hair if there is a time that i cannot get the hairstyle that i want that I love me and I love who I am and I love my hair enough that I can rock my hair I can rock my wrap I can wrap it up I can I can put my puff in the top I can do it any way shape or form that allows me to still feel that love for myself I made some choices with my own hair I wear I wear weave I sell hair I wear wigs. I wear weave. I love doing that. My grandmother did it. My mom was very natural she she didn't She didn't do the wigs or anything. She would wear her hair natural or she was wearing it perm, she would wear it perm, but she wouldn't do any additions to it. But the one thing about me wearing weave, I love my hair since I've had a child, I have, I have vowed that I would wear my hair in different forms so that she could see my hair in different forms and appreciate each aspect of it so that she appreciates her own hair. When I do her hair, I tell her, oh, your hair is so pretty. I love the way the curls curl. I love the way I'm able to brush it. I love the way we have to spray it and moisturize it because I'm building something in her, in her. I'm building some self-esteem in her. So parents that is something that they need to be doing, you know, and if you can't, if you if you can't grow the baby's hair and people are trying to call CPS, call somebody's grandma, get in contact with some grandma. They are going to give you some formula that they have put in every child's head that has been born into their family and tell you to mix it, you mix that concoction, that baby hair will grow. If it won't grow, at least it'll be moisturized and you can blush, brush it. Right. <laughs>
0: I want to put a disclaimer that was- in there. That was a joke. <laughs> that was a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think anybody would be calling CPS we on anybody for our kids' hair. Because, right. because we know, like, we know, like, I don't have been bald-headed. My hair used to not grow past my ears, which is one of the reasons why I used to consistently cut it. Now that I know and I understand my hair type and how to take care of it, which is now a new thing where... Black women are learning a whole lot more about our hair and not just slapping wigs, weaves, and perms on it. We can now better take care of our hair. So my hair has grown so much now that I know how to take care of it. But I won't do it. I will not do my own hair. I don't like to wash it. I don't like to comb it. I don't like to grease it. I don't like to do nothing with it because it's an entire day process. You have to take it down. Mm -hmm. You got to wash it. Mm -hmm. You got to deep condition it. You probably yeah, got to play it. You probably got to do something it. to it to keep it from, right, to keep it from tangling. And then you you, you got to get it done. Then you got to sleep. Pretty. A Pretty. certain type of way with a, You can't right, sleep. With no, no man. <laughs> you end up you with sleep. a crook in
1: your you neck. You lay your hands lightly on your hand and you lean exactly. over. Right. Crossed over. Right. Elbows up. And you better, Your exactly. head on your
0: hands. So it, your I whole mean, back exactly. is going to be
1: hurting when you get
0: hurt. <laughs> Let me tell you. I had so many horrible back experiences when I had my short pixie cut because yes. I did have one and I yes. absolutely loved my pixie cut. It was amazing. But let me tell you, my body went through so much just trying to make sure that I look a certain type of way for an entire week or two just yes. so that I looked presentable. Yes. Quote unquote. So do you think that more companies should be more open to ethnic styles absolutely. in the workplace? Absolutely.
1: It will show transparency and safety. It would be, because we haven't always had, been able to have a hair conversation. It's always piqued my interest and in sometimes gotten on my nerves. But I think it was, this was maybe like a year ago or so, with the young man who was in the wrestling match. And they, and he had, and a, he had, had and the dress up there on that yes. floor and cut that baby's dreams. hair in front of all of those people. I promise you I cried. I cried, I cried because I was hurt for him but I was hurt that here we are in 2020 and people still do not have an appreciation or don't want to appreciate and and understand and explore that because of our ethnic background, we have different styles that we are going to wear and that we we look good in and we shouldn't be restricted to looking a certain way just to
0: appease a certain mentality. So what I'm going to add to that A lot of other cultures don't realize that some of those styles, like locks, are a religious aspect or spirituality aspect. And so for one, they are not knowledgeable about why cutting a man's dreads or cutting, or let let me use the correct term, cutting a man's locks or cutting a woman's locks is is the ultimate form of humiliation for a person who has those. One, unless we chose to cut them off ourselves. And then two, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and some people might get mad at me, but I quite frequently have people ask me questions about my hair. Now, granted, there are plenty of YouTube channels out there. There are plenty of Instagram stories. There are plenty of beauty shop shows, movies, whatever to have so that they can get a deeper look or a outside looking in look on Black hair. But quite frequently, I have people that ask, so how do you how do, you do it? What do you do to it? What do you do that? That don't look like me because they really don't know, but they genuinely want to know. Now, sometimes there are some microaggression folded into that, but for the most part, most people who are asking about Black hair that don't look like us Genuinely want to know. So, whenever someone is asking us those questions, and as a Black woman, I have been taught to stand my ground, make others respect my boundaries, and for others to be okay with my no, which is why we come off as angry Black women. But sometimes that can be discouraging to the people that are genuinely interested who want to know because either they have a child that looks like you, they have a biracial child. Or because they just genuinely want to know so that they know moving forward, not to make a certain type of mistake with someone else. So I think that sometimes when people are asking us questions, we are so quick to say, get on YouTube or no, like I'm not answering that question. Now, on the, on the flip side of that, they have to respect my no, because I am not in a place where I am Absolutely. ready to openly have that type Absolutely. of discussion with you. But on the back end of that, it's all about delivery. I can say, yeah, like, let me send you some YouTube videos. It's, it's a long story because I don't want to give you yeah. the wrong information because my hair type is different yeah. than the hair type you're dealing with or because I don't do hair and somebody did it and I can't really tell you nothing outside of, I turned around and I was beautiful. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: I, I I certainly agree with that and I do. I, I don't think I think that it's something that does need to be said. It's a conversation that that we need to have. That sometimes people are genuinely asking questions because they are curious and they want to know more. In the light of recent events, I've had people to come up to me and they were simply trying to connect. But I was in a place where I was able right. to connect and I know that everybody is going through. And a part of that was that person was able to own their privilege, per se. So, in, in doing that, we were able to really have a, a conversation that bridged a lot of gaps. But I do like the suggestion of if, if somebody asks you something and you're not prepared to talk, they can respect your no, but we can also be a little more giving and a little more open. We don't, it, because it's nothing for you to say, well, I follow this person. You might want to check them out. They have good right. information. So I, I definitely agree with that, and I like that point of view. The only way that we're really going to be able to do this is to have open conversation. Conversations. They will be tough. They will. Sometimes they will not always be agreeable. But we can agree to disagree, and it will be uncomfortable. If it weren't those things, then we, we don't grow and we don't change. I think companies should be, they should absolutely be more open to ethnic styles. And if you have, if they have questions or if they want to know, figuring out a way to kind of bridge that that question gap or asking those questions of their employees.
0: Right. And I always tell people if you want to know but you're still uncomfortable about asking those questions, find a podcast about black hair. Get on YouTube. Find videos. Get on Instagram. Go to to the explore page. Message. Go to the explore
1: page and type in black hair on Instagram. When I tell you from now, you can find so much. Everything in the world because I I also do makeup and when I, like, I put in makeup, my explore page is now full of clothes, makeup, and shoes. I do other stuff, right? right, right. <laughs> they just
0: populate. Right. I follow a lot mm-hmm. of braid pages just because I do. I, I I am a firm believer in some nice looking braids, which is so hard to find good braiders out here in Austin. I'm just going to put that out there. So anybody that's looking to relocate, that do good hair, that do some good, good hair. I'm talking about like that hood hair. I, listen, I
1: have a cousin, I have a cousin <laughs> from Georgia. Don't make me call her. We we can do good she
0: does great hair. <laughs> Hey, go to Austin, because I I find myself traveling to different places just to get my hair braided, because there's people that can braid, and then there's people that can braid. But I'm going to add to this whole sentence, and I know this probably is like an aside. So my my first experience with a Black man in my hair was with my dad. And so a lot of people don't know that my dad is not my dad. That is my stepfather, but that's my daddy. You can't tell me no different. And he came into my life when I was roughly nine, nine years old. Him and my mama got married. They've been married ever since. they still married. Out to the black love? I remember facts. <laughs> I remember that my dad taught me how to cornrow. It wasn't my mom. Like to this I day, my dad still braids better than my mama. My daddy taught me how to cornrow. Now my mom, don't <laughs> get me wrong, she can braid, but she couldn't braid. Not only my experience with him, but when I cut my hair, I had to go to a barber shop. Don't get me wrong. There are lovely women who cut lovely hair. But for the sake of what I needed and what I was looking for, I had to find a Black barber. My experience with a Black barber was phenomenal. So there are men out there that can do things that can support you throughout the process of your Black hair. If you are a woman or a, a man that is seeking mm-hmm. to change your styles. And even mm-hmm. with locticians, there are some wonderful male, locti- men, male locticians out there. Not only that, I want to point out that, so I have a cousin that's not really my cousin. We just kind of come together. We, we call each other cousins. Y'all, y'all know how black people do. <laughs> we be like cousin. Right. That's my cousin. But he has, I believe he has four daughters now. I believe, three or four daughters. He braids their hair. He puts the beads on it. And then people quite frequently ask him, hey, can you braid my child's hair? So he also does braids. This man is happily married, loves his wife. And to this day, this man can braid. But I also have to point out that all of his sisters can braid. I wow. think all but one, I believe, and his cousins. Like it, They're just like mm-hmm. a family of braiders. And so- I just want to point out that that black men I do love black that. hair
1: too. I love that, and I think that's something that we need to um, become more comfortable with. Yeah, embrace, and embrace,
0: because they're always t- titled as "Oh, if he do hair, he's gay," which right. it doesn't matter if he There's is. There's a
1: whole family. I, I I don't want to call the name, but I think they're called the glam fam, or or glam. It's something like that. They're on YouTube. This guy is a um, mm-hmm. he. He does hair. He does his wife's hair. He does an amazing job. And they have like three or four kids happily married, been married forever. And that black man can do some hair. And I think that's something that we need to learn how to, we need to learn how to embrace and celebrate in our community because how empowering is it? I'm trying, I have braces y'all, so forgive my words sometimes, but how, how much can we empower women of color and men of color when we have, not only the people, the women that are doing hair, but the men, because a man can have a different conversation with you sometimes than a woman can. If I'm sitting in a, um, in a stylist chair and he's a man and I'm having some issues with my man and he's married or he has a girlfriend and he knows about these issues, or even if he's he's married and girlfriend has a boyfriend, when I'm talking through those things with them, they can give me a different perspective. So it's a, it's a lot of healing right. that is happening in in places where we once thought it was taboo to have conversations or taboo right. for things
0: or taboo to right. have, a taboo type is of have a certain
1: type of stylist, but thinking it that it's taboo to have a certain type of stylist is absolutely correct. We we need to expand our territory <laughs> and expand our thinking, right? Thinking so, right?
0: Um, I agree. I, I respect male do stylist. They do some amazing things. I've had I had a
1: male hairstylist to do a so in for me. It was everything. Everything. And when I left out that right. chair, I was so excited because that hype that hype up that I had, what Fast. he's talking about, oh you doing this. And I was like, you're right. You're right. I'm doing this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um yeah. So I just think, I think it's just amazing to just kind of touch on that because a lot of people don't even know that that's out there, but I also want to ensure that although we are talking about beauty shop topics, I, I don't want this to be a situation where we're expressing toxic masculinity on this particular episode when we are talking about Absolutely. men and hair, because the the epidemic of single male fathers of daughters have grown exponentially there are a lot more single fathers out there that is needing help and i will add one toxic trait that we may express or exhibit would be when our kids go with their fathers right <laughs> and yeah. they got a new girlfriend yeah. they got a new wife whatever whatever now i might have seen my child looking like she looking but I'm gonna be super mad if my baby come back with her hair done and she tell me your girlfriend or your wife did her hair. Now, that may be for some women. That's not for all women. Because if it's me, if you taking care of my baby hair, because I don't right. even have to take care of my own hair. Girl, let me buy you. Right. You need a new purse? Right. <laughs> but I just wanna put that out there because we do have women that are like that. Now, again, there are women who will deliberately take someone else's child's hair down, mess it up and yeah. send them back looking like they looking just because they are upset of whatever right. relationship is right. going on. So, <laughs> switch gears so we can come down off this off this <laughs> off this heated topic. Um so do you think that the beauty shop can be a place in which we are able to bridge and connect people with resources with the resources that they need in the future. So I know sometimes there are times where we go in as women and we are experiencing certain things, or we may say some things that are triggering. And as beauticians, we've been trained at this point to identify what those moments are. Do you think that we are able, or that beauticians can be able to bridge people to resources that they might need, whether it's shelter, whether it's counseling, whether it's financial resources. I feel like we kind of do some of that already, but I'm going to let, I want to hear your take.
1: I think a partnering with like, as a part of people that attend beauty school, or even if you don't have your license and you are able to connect with somebody that has resources, uh, partnering between those two people will be so pivotal because if I've already built a relationship with this person, I get in your chair every week, every other week, and I come to you and I tell you that I'm having these issues, that you know, I'm having anxiety or I'm having trouble breathing when I'm thinking about doing a certain thing, and I know my friend is a therapist, I can have a better conversation with you about seeking therapy and saying, well, hey, you know, it's no shame. We all go through this. We're all having issues. And I can have a conversation, a one-on-one conversation with you, because a lot of times those conversations in those beauty chairs are private. They're almost confidential because the the talking is is in such hushed tones that nobody sitting around can hear what you're talking about, especially if if it goes private. So I think that arming beauticians and stylists or arming stylists with information would be major in bridging and connecting and giving of resources because they would be a go-to person for information oh yeah um there's you know it's the shelter opening up around the corner you might want to check that out if you if you're having if you don't have a place to live right and so just there are so many opportunities so many opportunities and so many ways that things can be discussed and we can kind of take some of the taboo out of it because i know you you know, because, you know, and I will be honest, in our community, it's getting better. I'm seeing a, a higher trend of African-Americans seeking counseling and mental health services. So I'm really excited about mm-hmm. that. But there's.
0: That is why I have a waiting list. And I right, am right I know,
1: I'm, I am I, hear you. I'm coming. All I'm, all I'm saying is <laughs> I'm coming. I'll be there soon. With that, with that happening, it gives an opportunity for us to be able to embrace some things that we maybe never thought about doing. I definitely think that arming our our stylists with resources could be a way to make sure that our community gets a lot
0: of help. Right, okay. So now my next question is, do you feel like we as clinicians and mental health professionals trained hairstylists on identifying trigger words that tell us that abuse is happening or that tells them that abuse is happening or if someone is suicidal, Do you think that it would be beneficial and we could better save our women? Because I know that there are, like, I think there's a thing at Quick Trip where if you go stand by a particular sign or if you go in and you give them a code word or even um, night bars and things like that, they have code words where you go in and you say X, Y, and Z and... You know they're able to get you to a safe space. So, do you think that if, as clinicians and mental health professionals, we train beauticians, like, hey, like, granted, we don't want to put more on the plates of hair care professionals, and in this industry, but I think that sometimes as women, whenever we, you know, they ask us, so how you been doing this week? How you and your your guy doing? And people go in and they're like, well, you know, we had a fight last night. That's on my eye blake. Well, some people may look over it because I'm, I'm going mm-hmm. to play devil's advocate. As women, we say, that's my man. I'm going to stick by him. And anybody that speaks against mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. is a hater. So a lot of times we may say, oh, girl, it'll work out. Just keep praying. Just keep supporting your man. He loves you anyway. So sometimes we are given acceptance of those toxic traits that we are experiencing within our households. So I, I, I went on a whole tangent. Do you think that if we train them, we can save more of our girls and our boys and our, our babies that are going through traumatic experiences at the household?
1: Absolutely. I, I think with the rise of human trafficking, with the mm-hmm. rise of physical and sexual abuse, mental abuse, there needs to be some type of outlet. And I think that just, so there's always this conversation about where people land. Like most of the time they're like, well, just go to a counselor. But I think that we have to get, we have to be more equipped in society to help people land wherever they fall. Because sometimes I'm not always going to fall in the office of a counselor. I'm not going to always fall in the presence of a mental health professional sometimes I'm going to just be trying to make do and get to where I can and that week because he let me out of the house I was able to go get my hair done and get my nails done and if it's a point where I'm in that space and I land there and there's somebody there that can help me that will be beneficial I think that letting like I th- I think that's an amazing way to start even changing how we see mental health and how we see wealth, health, all of those things, and equip, equip, equipping other people to be able to help somebody when they connect with them. I'm not always walking down the street and passing out and there's a doctor driving down the road. Half the time you pass out, everybody keeps passing by and you just stay there until somebody finally realizes realizes that you're down. But if you are putting yourself in a place where there is some help, then by them being able to be informed and have information and have help, they can definitely help our girls. They can help our women. They can help our men. They can help whoever comes their way. So I definitely agree with that.
0: Okay. So again, we talked about so much and I really appreciate you for having this conversation with me. I think that this conversation may reach the eyes of those who wish they could be a fly on the wall. But I also think that this conversation could better support us and identify that, hey, I'm dumping my trash on my beautician. Now, sometimes we could say, oh, this gossip talk, that's beauty shop talk. But at the same time, is what I'm doing when I'm walking into my beautician's office, am I dumping my trash on her or him? Or am I in a place where I've established this relationship just like a counseling relationship, we've established this relationship, we can now have deeper conversations and am I accepting the advice that I'm receiving, one, or am I receiving bad advice in the process of the advice that I'm seeking? And if so, how can I get the help instead of just going out here and having these these conversations with without receiving proper support or proper processing techniques? So I think that the more we have conversations about Black hair, our moods, our experiences, I think that the the more we're able to have healthy conversations about mental health in the workplace. Because, you know, the joke is when Black women take a day off, we already know she want to go get her hair done. Right. When in actuality, <laughs> you're right. Right. I it's, am going to get my But, hair
1: done. but it's a form of therapy.
0: We it always, is a mental
1: health it's, day. It's a mental health day. And the thing is, people always talk about, it's so funny how when we take a day off, it's like the world comes to an end. But other people have days and days and days and they take off for all kinds of stuff to go take care of their pets, to go and travel, to go and see their family. But there's such a stigma around, I call it the deficit of being strong in that we're considered so strong that we don't need as much as everybody else. We don't need mental health days when really it's the absolute opposite. It's just that we have so much going on and so many things that we're trying to do. We're working twice as hard to be just as good. We're we're, we're trying not to be seen as the angry black woman. We're trying to make sure our hair is done and that we look nice, that we're presentable, that somebody doesn't shoot us when they see us pulling over in a car. So we don't have time to cry. We don't have time to sit up and let the world fall fall around Fall down around us because we're too busy picking up pieces and holding them up, holding them up with arm, legs, fingers, and toes, and 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 everybody else is expecting a expecting that of us, and that's not fair. That's right. not fair. So right. I think that when you're going into a shop, you're going into a vessel that has been prepared to receive something. And so you're taking in what what you have and they're there to receive it. But not only do they receive it, they release it by allowing you to have information and giving you information that then can help you. Now, the advice is ours to take. It may be the point where I don't take the advice. I may not take the advice. At least there was an opportunity for the advice to be given. And I will come back and see this person. So there's some follow-up there. There's oh well 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 what ended up happening oh I decided to stay okay well are you okay you need anything until the next time until that person gets sick and tired of being sick and tired then they can use the advice that they're getting.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Yep. And we gotta just embrace who we are. Like I tell people, <laughs> "Honey, I am black.
1: <laughs> Very black."
0: And I remember. Right. And I remember when all of this stuff was going on with the, the riots and I, I don't mean to jump into politics, but when all of this stuff was going on with riots, I remember people saying, like, how do you be 100 percent with your clients that don't look like you? And I always remind them that my clients knew that I was black the moment that they enlisted in my counseling services. Absolutely. So I never had to not be black around them. They've accepted me for who I am. I've accepted them for who they are and this is a 100% safe space despite what is going on, despite the microaggressions microaggressions that I experience on a daily basis, despite the toxic traits that have been placed upon my head. I don't care. These are my clients. I love them. I'm going to support them no matter what is going on because I took a vow as a clinician that that's what I would do. One, and two, I already knew what I was getting myself into when I decided to be a therapist. Absolutely. And, and I
1: think that sometimes, I don't think people understand the, the, when they talk about Black women being magic and being gifted and being talented, I think that our, our experiences have blended us to be good to people that have not always been good to us but to be unapologetic about who we are. When we get to the point where we're accepting of who and what we are and whose we are, we are able to be um, unapologetically Black, proud and Black. <laughs> like right. that's it, right? This is what you get. This is the whole Black experience, but it's it's just one aspect. It's not the whole thing. It's my experience that you're getting. And if you expect to see any other Black experiences, you got to get to know more. You have to get to know more Black people.
0: Yeah. And I'd say, and I'm so sorry that we went through this entire episode and did not touch on our Afro-Latina, our Puerto Rican, our DRs, our Black Mexicans, I'm so sad that we did not touch on that, but I have to have more inclusion from that community because anybody that knows me, I grew up Black, Mexican, Hispanic. Those were my people. That's how I grew Mm -hmm. up. And those are my people. And I'm going to rock with them no matter what. And so I'm sorry that I missed that part because growing up, we didn't have Afro Latina women in the community that I grew up in. It was either black or Mexican. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have a huge group of Afro Latina women to to bring in on these types of discussions. But I promise I'm committed to adding that piece later. We're going to have some type of part two at some point. But I do know that from the tutor that I have, because I do speak Spanish, so I have a Spanish tutor that I meet with weekly for an hour. She is based in Colombia, and I'm learning so much from her when it comes to Black women, Black experiences, Black hair, and, and the things that they're dealing with on a daily basis. So like I said, the more I continue to emerge myself in that particular community, the more I'm able to bring more and more conversations about that. But more specifically, I really wanted to touch on this for the Black experience here in the States because people don't understand how hard it is to just be us in a place like this.
1: Yep not a safe everybody talks about a safe space and we're trying to find that we're still trying to find a brave and a safe space that we can be that we can be us and without without the code switching because and then that's a whole nother conversation and I think I'm I'm super excited about this conversation because I think that there are so many other layers. Like, it's amazing how many layers are embedded in this Black hair conversation. Black hair and health, Black hair and marriage and and relationships. Oh,
0: don't get me started with Black hair and relationships. There's always the jokes about men waking up after a one-night stand and a woman's wig is on the TV. Right, (laughs) right, right. Right.
1: (laughs) So, yeah. So, but the one thing I will say about being black and my black hair, you, you get to see many sides. You don't get a different person, but you, you get to see many sides of who I can be and who I am so now you're you gonna get a
0: different person one day i'm a monique uh, one day out. you're I'm right <laughs> one day i'm miss c right 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 you're gonna get a different me every time my hair does because it depends
1: on it, what i'm trying to do it is, it depends <laughs> on what i'm trying to convey if i if i might be a blonde bombshell i might be a redhead. Hey. i might be a whole lot of things but i'm okay with being a whole lot of things right Right. When you get this shortcut, you go, you going to get it.
0: And I'm going to add this one last point. I promise this is my very, very last point, if I can remember it. I want to add to this about the Black woman's experience in the beauty supply house, quote unquote, the place where we oh, go wow. get our hair care supplies. So I'm going to put this out here and I, I promise I'm going to end it on this note because we can keep going on and on and on about this conversation. But I want to touch on our experiences in the beauty shop. So a lot of us have positive experiences amongst each other in the beauty shop when we're walking around with our bonnet, with our hair blown out, hair over our head, shrinkage is real. We got on our Victoria's Secret tights with our furry slides our tank tops with no bras. Look, we respect each other in that space. That space is a safe haven. Yes, it is. And when somebody walks up to you and asks you where you get their hair from, you answer them. Right, right. (laughs) You answer that question. And somebody say, who did your hair? You You better have an answer. Yes. (laughs) You better have an answer. But on the flip side of that, I want to talk about the negative experiences that we do have within a beauty shop. I mean, beauty supply house. So if You're not aware of the owners of beauty shops and how they came into the neighborhoods that we live in and the amount of money that they're making off of our hair. I want to state that there have been times where I have went into a beauty shop and I don't want to name drop this beauty shop just because of the platform that I'm utilizing. But I remember when I first moved here to Austin, my mom, she came to visit me. I went to this beauty, beauty supply house was not black owned and I spent roughly $69. I re, cause I remember it pissed me off. I spent $69 in this beauty supply house and I had a white tooth comb. Now mind you, I put everything on the counter. You know how it is in the beauty supply house. There's a million and one things sitting on top of that counter anyway. So Absolutely. there are times where things might get missed. On them scanning it and making sure they put it into your bag. And so, spent $69 and there was this wide tooth comb that I bought because I needed to braid my niece's hair. And in order to braid her hair, you got to comb it out, but you can't use the little slime comb. So, I had bought a wide tooth comb. Well, I was trying to buy one. It was placed underneath all of the stuff there was braid hair, there was edge control, there was rubber bands, there was everything that I needed to braid my niece's hair. And She put everything in the bag. She swiped it up. I got my mama whatever she needed, whatever she wanted out of there. We scanned it. I paid. I go to lift the bag up and the comb is still sitting there. And I said, hey, did you get the comb? And she was like, oh no, I did not get the comb. And I said, okay, well, can you, you know, can you do the comb? I said, I don't have any change, but do the comb and you can swipe my card again. This lady told me, you have to spend, you have to spend more than $5 in order for you to to create another transaction. Hmm ma'am, I just spent $70 in here. What do you mean? So it was a, it was another black lady behind behind me. And I'm, I'm going, I don't even know who she was, but I'm going, I'm going kudos to her and respect her for what she did. So I said, well, I don't, I don't, I don't need to spend another $5. I just spent $70. So I'm confused as to why this transaction cannot go through. So then she says, well, we, you, we have a minimum of $5 policy in here. So I said, okay, whatever. The lady behind me said, hey, baby girl, don't worry about it. I know that you just spent all this money. I'll pay for the comb. So I did not leave that beauty shop. I let that woman pay for that comb. And then I thanked her on my way out. But I never went back to that beauty supply house. I can't even think of the name of it. Because now that I think about it, I am mad. And I probably should bash them for it. (laughs) But, But as a Black woman, there are a lot of instances where we go in and you can't have a bag. You can't walk in there with a purse. You can't. They got it. They got it tapered off to where you got to go in a certain way and leave out a certain way. Mm-hmm. They like. It's my experience is that when I go in here, you're already labeling me as a person that's going to steal from you, honey. Yep. I got money, yep. honey. I got money. Like I didn't come in here because I ain't have no money. And so what happens is you get a lot of people that just refuse to go to certain spaces because they're not accepting of us in our culture. Now, granted, we have been labeled as thieves. We have been labeled as angry. We have been labeled as aggressive. But when I'm going into the beauty shop, I mean, the beauty supply house, I'm going to get stuff to make myself look more presentable. So honey, when I come in here, I'm not coming in here with anger. I'm coming in here with sheer, this is my safe haven. This is a place of saving. Because you're gonna save my life today, because I need to get this weave off this, off this, um, off this shelf. I don't go in there with the intention that I'm gonna be an ex- aggressive black woman. I don't go in there with the intention that I'm going to be this person that you've labeled me. So I, I just wanna put that out there as well. As a black woman, we also go through those experiences of going into beauty supply shops owned by people that either don't look like us or that don't respect where we're coming from and we're treated. Very badly. But then I also want to add that the same happens for Black businesses or even just people who are trying to sell hair care products who have to go to China or who have to go to India to purchase the hair care products. People are being charged more, one, or two, they're being shut out of the ability to buy in bulk like they need to. And so a lot of, even though they're Black owned businesses that are trying to get into the hair care industry, we are still struggling with getting a, a, a spot, a seat at the table when it comes to this hair care industry. And I just want to put it out there that like outside of us not having our hair done, outside of our daily struggles, when we go into certain places, we still experience microaggressions. We still experience people being negative towards us. And all we're trying to do is just trying to look. We're just trying to, we're just trying to get our life together today. And that's all we're trying to do. And all we're asking for you to do is to accept us how we are. As we accept you how you are in our neighborhood,
1: I absolutely agree. I've seen so many instances where there was a lady in a hair shop. It was in, either in New York or Maryland or somewhere like that. And her son picked up a keychain. She didn't realize that he had it in his hand. She brought it back into the shop. The owner either punched the lady in her face or kicked her. And yes, And
0: you talking about at the beauty shop? Uh-huh. In the beauty supply. And they in the oh, beauty supply. I thought you were talking about the beauty shop. No, no. Not not that one. No, 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 not that one. one. (laughs) But at a beauty supply
1: shop. But it's it just speaks to the lack of respect that we experience. Now, at home, there's a beauty supply that I've been going to for years. I've been going there since I've been since I was 16. Mm -hmm. I noticed the way that they treat me and the way, like when I go home, I go in the beauty supply and every, almost everybody in the supply knows me. They're like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, what's going on with you? They have whole conversations with me. They treat me far differently than they do some of the other young ladies that come Mm -hmm. in. And that's because I've established a boundary and decorum with them where you, you will treat me the way that I, I need to be treated and I will be respected. But I've seen some of the young ladies come in there and they yell at them, oh, you need to put that out. We're not buying this. You need to do that. I've been able to go in there and purchase things like for a dollar on my card. Other people, they're like, oh, you got to spend five or six dollars. But that's because of rapport. And then I talk to the young ladies when they leave outside. Because I do, I have that respect with them. But I'm like, hey, you know, ask some questions. Talk to them. Don't Don't let them treat you any kind of way. Don't let them treat you less than. Them. But It is, it's amazing how the hair business is a billion dollar business and they do not want black women or black people in this business. There is a guy from, he's on Instagram. I think his name is Adventures of Juan. At one point in time, he was curating hair for selling to be sold in bulk wholesale. And then something happened with that venture. But he was trying to find a way in so that Black people could become wholesalers of their own hair. Because there have been times in China and in other countries that we get hair from, that if you don't speak the language, you don't get the product. So you have right. people out here hiring people to call over and talk to the persons there so that people could get their supply. So it's, it's just amazing that With all that we go through, then even in the business that is geared toward us, we're still treated with disrespect. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. So I I, I know we're ending, but I did want to bring this up and maybe we can talk about this if you ever invite me on again. (laughs) I would like to talk about Black businesses and supporting Black businesses. I'm I'm playing the devil's advocate here. There are some Black businesses
0: that are not
1: top-notch. They don't do what they're supposed to do.
0: How much does that dress cost? DM me, baby girl. You just lost the customer. Baby exactly. boy, Where, you just lost the customer. Where's, I your website? where's I'm trying your to website? spend money and you limited my ability to do so. Right, where's your website?
1: <laughs> you have Black businesses that are out here. They have a good reputation. They are doing... What they need to be doing, and people are going in wanting to discount them and ask them for. Oh my god! You know, I talk them to my for, homeboy about this all yeah, the time. Uh, can I get if I, um you on charge? Can I get a lead? discount? Can I get a discount? Or you think because you dressed up and you cute in your sundress, you're gonna go in there and, and, and get these people's products for something? Yeah. But you go in Walmart, Walgreens, you go into Don't a beauty me. supply store. And the same beauty supply stores that are treating you like trash, that are that that will will fuss you out, will put you out of their stores, will throw acetone on you and all those different things. And you go in there and you pay full price. But mm-hmm. you, you go to these black business owners and you expect them to give you a discount because you look like them. That's not right. how business works. Or because you, know, you that's your cousin. Guess right. what? I'm I'm your cousin but this bundle set is still $500. It's 250 individually, or you're gonna get these three or four bundles for this $500 because this is good quality here. I love you, right. But my love for you has nothing to do with these findings.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's definitely a whole different conversation. And I definitely do plan to have that conversation. That's gonna be for season number two because that has been a frequent theme. Thankfully, I am blessed enough to not have that issue. When I um, express what my rates are for counseling services, or if I've expressed my rates for okay. when when I was baking my cakes, just any other service that I've ever provided to individuals, nobody has ever questioned me or anything that I do for them. But you're right; that is definitely a conversation. Like I said, because it it has been a re- recurrent theme for the people around me that are in business that are entrepreneurs that are trying to make generational wealth for their families. so yeah we will definitely talk about that so do you have any oh go ahead and talk tell us a little bit more about your social media how you can be reached and then we'll end it on that note
1: on social media I can be um, reached on Instagram under do beautiful things and also on YouTube do beautiful things So I'm in the process of getting ready to start the YouTube channel and start back blogging. My blog is I Do Beautiful Things at WordPress.com or I Do Beautiful Things dot WordPress.com. So that is what I have for for blogging that I have done in the past, and so I'm I'm about to start doing that up, and my focus will be style, health, and wellness.
0: So, okay, perfect. Thank you so much again and uh, we are still waiting on you to join our world
1: of <laughs> mental health. Yeah. yes so I am, <laughs> I am definitely coming coming your way very soon I gotta get these you know get the logistics out the way and then I'll be there
0: but thank you for having me and thank you for these amazing conversations that you are having Thank you Thank you again to all of my therapy issues from Asia M Query. you can find us on social media at Twitter, at Therapy-ish Pod. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy-ish Podcast. Please feel free to like, share, and subscribe.